Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pottywood Season 4. And this, as you can see, is our second video episode. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Steve Hester, and with me, as always, is... Well, that'll be me, Andrew Roger Carson. It's good. I never actually knew what I looked like. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do know what you look like, and it's hideous. Yes, it is. Usually it's why I don't hideous. do video. People have to see this whole fucking mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Joining us all the way from Bushwick, New York. It is Jonas Barnes. Jonas, good to see you, buddy. How are you? Good to see you guys, man. It's, been, it's good, man. Uh, just in case you guys notice, if you see me looking off to the side or like reaching off to the side, it's because my cat is like, dude, you're on video, so I'm going to go fucking crazy. <laughs> it's just what he's doing like over around the corner here. He's like swatting at my hand and shit. So we might get a cameo appearance from Avery, my cat. He rules. So well, we've got um we've got one of our cats down here who's just sat on a cushion on the floor. He does not care. Doesn't just care at all. That's an, that's a very cat behavior. That's very much cat yeah. behavior. That's why me and him get along so well. I've We're got both a dog over here asleep. It's probably gonna snore in a bit, but yes. you stay yes. with your pussies, that's fine. It is. So anyway, Steve. <laughs> yes. Now that we are fully into our video run, uh, and we decided we've been meaning to bring Jonas back on. The last episode that we did with Jonas was a really, really, really great show where we mm-hmm. either talked really good movies or totally annihilated Jurassic Park Dominion. So naturally, rightfully I want... so. By the way, <laughs> rightfully so, definitely. <laughs> that, that film had about three different endings, all following each other. Uh, I remember, I actually saw that movie and I was like, "Surely this is the end now." <clears throat> Holy shit! There's another thirty-five minutes of this to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely yeah. one of those movies. I feel like Terrible. the ending of all of the. I feel like all three alternate endings for Jurassic Park Dominion or Jurassic World. I'm sorry, Jurassic World, not Jurassic Park. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, Jurassic <laughs> World uh, Dominion. I feel like if there was three endings, all of them would be what you saw Laura Croft do before she wrote a shark. <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> that's what everybody like. Everybody in the theater was just like, I was a waste of my fucking time. All right, cool. <laughs> Very true, but she also jumped the Great Wall of China on a motorbike. Mm. Well, I mean, haven't you done that? That's like, I did that when I was like 16. Yeah, she did it long ways as well. (laughs) (laughs) Not even David Copperfield did that. No, no. She used to watch Kickstart as a child. (sighs) So, uh, Jonas, we wanted to bring you back for another round of Cinematic Smackdown on some of the movies that have been released just recently, because you obviously get to see movies unlike Steve, and you get to see newer movies unlike me. So I do. we're going to delve you in this week, ease you in, just a tip, what we've got to go first. So here's the thing. There's, I'm doing it a little bit different this time, because there's one movie that I want to bring up that is not out yet, and it's coming out next week. And the reason that I want to bring it up is because it looks really good. Um, and the way that this movie came about is kind of cool. So if you guys remember the movie X, they came out pretty yes. recently from Ty West. Mm. So during the filming of that movie, um, spoiler alert, by the way, for anybody that has not seen X at this point, um, spoiler alert on this, uh, Mia Goth plays both Pearl and also her other younger character in the movie. So she's playing dual parts in this movie um 
because of pandemic situations and whatnot, you know, uh, scheduling for filming and stuff, Ty West filmed the prequel to X right after he was done filming X. So he filmed the movie Pearl with Mia Goth um, that's actually coming out next week. So um, it was already done, filmed, like edited in the can by the time X even came out. So that's coming out next week. And the reason I wanted to bring it up here is because most of the time, if you think of a prequel, especially one that quickly, the faith in that's not going to be that high. Like it's, it's definitely like, that's one of those things where it feels like a cash in, but I've talked to a lot of people that got to see a pre-screening of this. Cause I did not get to, but I did get to talk to a lot of people that did this and they've said that it's fantastic and that it actually does really make almost makes X a better movie which is rare for a prequel to do. Um, so that's coming out next week in the States. And I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I wanted to bring that one up because I think Ty West as a director and as a filmmaker is just, he's one of my favorites. And the fact that he's doing something cool like that, I always, I like, I always like to praise those cool things in filmmaking. Um, so yeah, keep your eyes out for that one next week. Um, it's one that I think I think from everything that I'm hearing and from people that I trust, not people that are just like paid reviewers and stuff like that. It's my friends who are, for lack of a better term, assholes when it comes to movies. And they're like, no, dude, it's actually really good. So like, it's like, all I right. I don't actually remember hearing something like this for quite some time. You usually get films where they might film them back to back. Like, for example, the uh, Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima. That was two movies that were designed to be one whole but obviously split apart and then right. you've got things like uh, like lord of the rings which is a trilogy and they're all filming sure. one after the other but you very very rarely get to hear of a movie which is being made so soon after an original one right it has the original cast and the original crew wherever possible to come back and make it it's such an unusual thing well, yeah, and the thing with X that's interesting is that it's not like it's a reveal in the after part of the movie. So you know how Marvel does the after credit scenes where they give you like a thing where it's like, you know, coming in fucking 2028 or whatever it is mm. that they say on Marvel movies now. Um, but X did a thing where the ending of the movie came along. You had no idea that Mia Goth was playing both of these parts. And then the stinger at the end of the, at the end of the credits was the trailer for Pearl. So everybody right. in the theater was like, Oh fuck. Like she was playing She was playing Pearl the whole time. So that was a cool thing that Ty West did. And like I said, from everything that I'm hearing, the prequel is just as good as X, if not making X better. So I'm I'm all about that. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to get that one out of the way at the beginning because, again, that one's a little bit different um, compared to the rest. Um, there's one movie that I saw that was not a horror movie um, because, as you guys know, I'm very big into horror. Horror is usually what I watch. But the one that I watched um, recently that's not a horror movie that also turned out to be pretty good, surprisingly good, was Honk for Jesus. So I've heard guys... of this, yeah. Is yeah, that a yeah. doc? Is that a documentary? No, it's well, it's actually based off a true story, but it's not a documentary. Huh. Um, but it's so it's got Regina Hall and she's the star of the movie. Um, I, I say that she's the one that I feel like stands out the most. And I'm a big Gene, uh, Regina Hall fan. So 
this movie is about a pastor at a mega church, a southern mega church, um, that gets busted for using the money for nefarious purposes. Uh, let's say for Which reasons that no are, real pastor would ever do. Never, ever, never. Um, absolutely not. Not based in truth whatsoever. No. Um, so he gets busted, and uh, his wife Regina Hall is kind of like the one that sticks by her man, you know, and kind of tries to help him through this situation. And what they do with the story is they make it a comedy and a drama. Um, so it goes, it's, it leans into comedy. Um, it's also an R rated film, which I would not have expected with a movie that's about church. Um, unless we're talking like, you know, passion of the Christ or, um, anything that follows the Bible, um, accurately, but you know, if you're doing, going for a comedy like this, I wouldn't have expected it to be rated R it's rated R, but it's done in a way that like, even if you wanted to bring younger kids to it, when I say younger, I mean like, you know, 15, 16 years old, perfectly fine to go take them to go see it. Like it's nothing, okay. there's nothing crazy in it, you know? that would make it R-rated. It's mostly just swearing and stuff like that. Um, but it's good. It's a good quality comedy, which is rare. I mean, there haven't been a lot of really good comedies that have come out. So I was I was happy to see it. Um, it's streaming, actually, directly onto, I want to say Peacock. It was in theaters, and then I think it also was on either Peacock or HBO Max. Yeah, it did kind of just <clears throat> slide through really quick. Well, no, it's still in theaters. It's doing it's doing both the theater and the uh, and the streaming at the same time. Now, speaking of ones that did go through quick, that's the third movie I wanted to talk about. I'll get a little bit more in depth on this one. That's the Black Phone. Oh, I have been meaning to see this for so long, and I just have not got around to watching it. <laughs> yeah, what a surprise, um, Steve! What a surprise! Luckily, that's my Steve, mo. You'll be able to see it, um, you know, when you get around to it in a couple of years. Um, so, <laughs> series 28 of Bodywood, it comes out of the box finally. Right, right. It's just like, I finally saw the black phone. Um, <clears throat> so, if you don't know about the black phone, Ethan Hawke plays um, a masked kidnapper called the Grabber. Um, very apropos name for what he does. And he uh, is known in this neighborhood for taking children and locking them in his basement and those kids don't come back they die that's not a spoiler that's just what happens these children are pretty much all all murdered um and the thing that's interesting about this movie is that it's from joe hill who is stephen king's son so it's got some of the stephen king elements to it Mm -hmm. but it's definitely his own vision so like joe hill is a very good director he he knows what he's doing like he definitely is good um he the thing with this movie though is that it got marketed in a way that i think hurt it because it got marketed as like this brutal almost saw like film and that's not what it is yeah yeah it's not it's like a it's more like a psychological horror than anything else um <clears throat> with a lot of cool things to it so something i wanted to bring up about this movie that's really cool is that when you watch the trailers and you see the clips of it and everything you'll see the mask that the grabber is wearing and the mask is made by a friend of mine and a friend of uh another goddamn horror podcast jason baker from callisum studios and if you guys don't know what callisum studios is that's basically savini studios um, yeah. offshoot so they're a visual effects studio they make masks they do all sorts of cool stuff 
So they made the masks for Ethan Hawke's character. And every time his character changes moods, the mask changes. So it's actually a two-piece mask. So the top part of it stays the same, but then the mouth part of it changes based off of his mood. So if he walks in, yeah, it's kind of cool. So if he walks into the basement with a kid there and the the mask on the bottom is uh, doesn't have any mouth on it, then that means there's trouble. Mm. That means he's quiet, he's silent, he's angry, like he's he's ready to kill this kid. Um, but sometimes it'll he'll walk in there and he'll have this big like you know smile on the mask, and that means that he's getting playful with the kid. So it's like it's a very interesting breakdown of what this serial kidnapper and murderer is. But the other thing about the movie is that it's a survival movie, so it literally is about one kid that gets kidnapped from the grabber pretty early on in the movie. And it goes from there and it does kind of like a reverse chronological order of the stories of the other kids that had gotten taken from him. So it's right, like okay. multi-layered, like it's actually a really cool movie. So that one just came out on Blu-ray. Um, it's also streaming that one. I want to say is streaming for sure on Peacock, um, but it was in and out of theaters pretty quick. And it got delayed a bunch of times, like because of the pandemic. There was all sorts of stuff, but it came out and it was awesome. Um, so I highly recommend that one. <clears throat> now, just so you guys know, the reason I'm blowing through these kind of quick is because when I get to the one that I'm going to shit on, cool oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we're getting through the first four pretty quick because the fifth one is a fucking doozy. Um, but the fourth one is one that I just saw last night, actually. This one is, it's called Barbarian. So yeah, I have be, I've heard about this all day. Everybody yeah. has been talking about it. It's apparently <clears throat> amazing. Have you seen the trailer? I haven't even seen the trailer of it yet. Okay, I just so know that Bill Skarsgård is Skarsgård. Yeah, Bill Skarsgård's in it. Um, so is Justin Long, and uh, is is he the one from It? Scarsgard, yeah, Scarsgard, yeah, he's the one that plays Pennywise, right? Because there was there's like about thirty eight of them, and I always get confused <laughs> as to who's in right. what. Yeah, there's a bunch of Scarsgards, an entire family. Yeah, um, it's, it's one <clears throat> child per genre. Kind of is actually, yeah, <laughs> it really is. You, you should be it. drama. You should be comedy. <laughs> you should be no drama. You are Tarzan. Scoffs. Yes. Your rom com. <laughs> yes. You can do weird things with your mouth. You can you can do that. <laughs> I have no idea what this accent is. It's just yeah. you're the artsy one. Um yeah. they have like one just like they have one scars guard that's just like totally the A24 scars guard. You're like you're the only you only Yeah. You just do the weird Viking movies and the artsy movies that have come in them for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why A24 does that. Like, I Let me say this. I love A24. I do. Yeah. They're probably one of my favorite studios. But almost every single A24 movie, there is a point where I either pause it or if I'm in a theater, I look at the person I'm watching the movie with and I go, why was there come there? Why was there? There's no reason. There was nothing about this scene that would called for come, but they were just like, here you go. Let's just put some jizz in the scene, like for whatever reason. Um, and that stuck what uh, that was poor choice of phrase. Um, that that whole thought 
was when I watched The Green Knight. Did you watch The oh, Green Knight? Oh yeah, yeah, and, and so I'm yeah, a huge fan of that director as well. <laughs> so the Green The Green Knight's a weird movie. Like it's a it's a super weird movie. Um, and I didn't hate the movie, but again, why was there coming that movie? <laughs> like just there was no more out of place jizz in a movie than in that movie like i was watching it and i was like i don't care how much how much weirder this movie gets there is no reason for that scene there was none like, whatsoever like, come, come on dude you just made pete's dragon yeah like what are you doing what are you doing was that coming supposed- pete's dragon as well <laughs> i don't know how close he got to it <laughs> yeah it's true yeah. But so like that when I when I saw that the rest of like all the memories came back to me. I was like, oh god, A24 puts come in a lot of their movies. Um it's just a thing. Uh so the thing is with um with Bill Skarsgård in this movie is that he he doesn't play a huge part, but he he does, but he's not on screen that long. Like he's on screen for a decent amount of time. Um but the trailer makes it seem like he's the main star of the movie and he is not. Um, the other thing about this movie though, is that I can't give away too much on it because there's so much cool shit that happens that you just will not expect. And the nice thing about the trailer is that the trailer seems like it gives you away everything. It gives you away nothing. There's nothing about the trailer that prepares you for what the movie actually is. And I love that. Um, it is probably one of the best horror films of the year, if not the best. So, wow. yeah, it's one that, like, and yeah, it's hard to explain it without getting into any spoilery territory at all. So I'll tread very lightly, but it's it's an extremely creative film. Uh, it's filmed beautifully. Um, it's one of those movies that I think will. St- and just easily stand the test of time when it comes to horror films. Um, so definitely one to see as soon as you can. Um, so and pretty, see, it, see it in the theater for sure. Because that's pretty bold because uh, the last time we had you on, you were saying The Watcher was really one of the um, best horror films kind of on the, of the year or of the last 10 years. How does it rank up against something like that? So the thing is with Watcher is that Watcher, you're looking at a movie that's like very Alfred Hitchcock-like. Yeah. So it's a completely different style of movie. This one, um, this one, they really played with sound really well. They did a really good job with it, which they did in Watcher too. But the thing with Watcher is that because of the nature of what that movie is and the entire tone of that movie, the entire pacing of the movie, it's it's slow on purpose. So it has this gradual build to a crescendo, whereas Barbarian <clears throat> gives you about 20 minutes of breathing room. And then it goes completely fucking batshit crazy um, in the best way. Like, it's one of those things that, like, once the madness starts, you're like, oh, the roller coaster just started. Like, it just it's one of those. Um, but also the way that it's layered and the way that it's done and it keeps on revealing things throughout the film. It's one of those things that you just have a constant enjoyment of the movie, which is kind of like it's like the opposite of what happened with Nope. So uh, like, right, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, cause like, did you see Nope? Yes. Okay. So it wasn't that it was a bad movie, but it was definitely Jordan Peele's worst movie. Like yeah, it was, it was, it was playing to the, the Steven Spielberg trope 
but realistically, <laughs> you're just looking at Achilles sombrero. Yeah, it kind of was that. <laughs> like, which Steve, it's if true. you see this movie, here's the thing: the when I walked out of the theater after watching Nope, my friend that was with me, she goes, "I didn't like that movie that much," and I said, "I haven't decided whether I liked that movie that much or not," because I kind of had to sit on it and be like okay digest the movie a little bit whereas with like get out and us right out of the theater i was yeah. like i fucking love those this one i had to sit down with a little bit and be like okay i get what jordan peele was doing in the movie but he also was kind of up his own ass on it a little bit like he was what i mean by that is that he was being too um he was using too much liberty with what he was putting on screen and not explaining to the audience so, like, the audience had too many questions at the end of it about, like, what the fuck this movie was actually about. And also, the alien itself looked like one of those parachutes that you used as a child in grade school. Like, you know, to fucking, like, stand around in a circle and, like, throw the ball up in the air in it or, like, whatever the fuck the kids were doing at that time. But, like, it's one of those giant parachute things and it looked like it was made out of satin. Like, it didn't even look like an alien in any way. Do you think it's um it's kind of his stage of development as it mirrors M Night Shyamalan's because he was like oh Sixth Sense oh brilliant we all love that then Unbreakable yeah we love that perhaps a little bit less and then Signs come out and everyone was like yeah you're kind of trying a bit hard with that well the thing the thing is with like with M Night Shyamalan is that he got too attached to the twist. Mm. you know what i mean like every one of his movies is like what's going to be the weird shit that happens at the end of it and nine times out of ten it was a complete failure because you were waiting for it and it didn't pay off you know yeah i think that was the happening that that suddenly just well that and i guess lady in the water as well lady in the water was a particularly terrible movie but the happening was the happening was laughably bad because you could tell that they tried so hard to make it this like amazing reveal and it was just mark Wahlberg just being like oh my god it's the plants you I just, know like <laughs> i love that point in that film where he's just he's 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 like what is it he goes into the house but he stops before he goes into the house and talks to the plant yeah As, he was like one of those fucking, he was like fucking one of those weird instagram moms that's just like well i've been talking to my daisies this morning shut up you have not <laughs> it's okay and like fucking mark Wahlberg just walks into the room and he's like what's what are you trying to tell me boy like it's just it's ridiculous and then he goes outside and m night Shyamalan for all the for all the skill that he has as a director the scene that he did to do the reveal that the plants were what was the dust and the pollen and stuff on the plants were what was causing this neurotoxin to happen was like this wispy artistic shot of like the plants blowing in the wind. And it was like, fuck you, dude, really? Like you had to make it just look like this just overly shot, just awful scene. Whereas this. It what just, they it needed was, was uh, the singing bush from uh, <laughs> Three Amigos. <laughs> they needed that. I, Tell me what you want. Oh, you all need to die. You're all going to die. Needed no, something like that. I think the best switch and twist they could have had in that movie at the halfway point where Mark Wahlberg is talking to this potted plant and then it results 
on Mark Wahlberg partnering up with this potted plant and going out. <laughs> Imagine that sat in the car next to him, seatbelt on, sunglasses on the plant, and they're just you know, going you, out and fighting tree crime. You know, Estonian in the week. Crime. Yeah, Coming fighting now. tree crime. Listen, I feel like the happening was a missed opportunity for Rick Moranis to come back into film and just tell people like, I've been telling everybody the whole time that the plants are evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> came up and have it be another little shop of horrors. It's <laughs> just a whole nother one. Um, and uh, I actually come to think of it. I think Rick Moranis really was one of the one of the forefathers of uh, devilish plant movies. Um but yeah, the happening sucked. And it was one of those things that was just like the reveal was stupid. And signs is what killed me when it came to Damn Night Shyamalan because I was like, fucking water. These are the stupidest aliens in the entire galaxy if they decided to attack the one planet that was 75% what kills them. Like, are you really going to tell me that that's the thing that we need to be afraid of? You can sneeze on these things and they die. Like, what are you doing? That's insane. Um, humans sweat the thing that kills them like that is an insane reveal um but this so like the thing with jordan peele is he's not jordan peele doesn't reveal doesn't like he doesn't live or die on the twist the problem with jordan peele that's becoming apparent with nope is that he's overly artistic in the sense that he is um he doesn't give enough exposition in the movie and he leaves too much of it up to the audience to the point where you walk out of the movie and you're like, I think I liked that movie, but I wasn't quite sure what the hell it was about. And then he has to do an entire media tour explaining what the movie's about. And like, if you have to do that, if you have to go to multiple media outlets and tell them about how this is a juxtaposition and a commentary on how Hollywood treats actors and all this other stuff, it's like, dude, you haven't given the audience enough to work with them. Mm. Like you've failed in writing the actual storyboarding of this movie. If all of it is this stuff that's just all open for interpretation. And then when somebody gives their interpretation of it, he's like, no, you're wrong. It's about this. It's like, okay, that's, you like the smell of your own farts. Like, that's what it is. Like, you're just like, you're just, oh, fuck, I'm such a good filmmaker. And you are, but you got to give the audience something to chew on. So totally agree. There's, there's been numerous uh, video games. I'm, I'm big gamer. Um, you see, I've got to get in some way, Andy. And there's a large number of video games that come out, and they they say, okay, to get the full experience, you need to then read this novel, you need to watch this TV show, and yeah, this, no. that, and the other. It's like, no, no, I'm buying the game. The story should be in the game. If the game doesn't right. explain what is going on, then the people who've written it have not done a good job. It's as simple like- as that. You can like expand on something by all means, but no, you have to have that information right yeah. there in the source media. So like kind of like the people who made the devil inside. Oh, Ooh. you can see the end of this movie by going on this website. <laughs> nope. Not going to do that. <laughs> There's in fact, there was nothing that I wanted to do less after watching the devil inside. <laughs> than go to something else that would give me more of the devil inside. That was the worst movie. Like that was probably out of the entire possession genre, subgenre of horror, which has pumped out some dog turds of movies. That one is by far the worst. The Devil Inside <laughs> is is so okay. Exorcist Two: The Heretic is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the Devil Inside is right below. 
Like it's just, it's right. It's knocking on the door. Um, insultingly bad movie. <laughs> um, so anyway, go see Barbarian. It's awesome. Uh, it's the, go in blind. Like that's the best. That's the best thing I can tell you about Barbarian is go in blind, watch the trailer and think that you know what the movie is about and then realize that you have no fucking idea what the movie's about and just enjoy yourself, but see it in a theater. Be- or if you don't see it in the theater, make sure that you see it at home with a really good sound system because whoever the sound engineer is, they're a genius. So the sound is a big part of it. You can, I mean, like you'll enjoy the movie without the sound being crazy, but if you can see it in a theater with a good sound system, do it. It's well worth it. So, Steve, it's not based on the old Commodore 64 game Barbarian either. No, no, no it's definitely no, not. No, I, I, I kind of tweaked that. <laughs> I, it's uh, also not a Conan the Barbarian sequel. It is no. not that. Uh, you know, just no it point out there. does Bill Sarsgaard wear a loincloth and carry a Zweihander. No, no, uh, no. no, he does not do that. Um, no. He does not team up with the Warlord to bring back an 80s tag team. He does not do hey. that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying want, to think of that one's for you, Sioni. <laughs> trying to think of any other spoilers we can get here uh no yeah he um it's it's just a phenomenal movie um and it's fun that's like that's one of the biggest things is it's a brutal movie but it's fun which i always like about horror movies um which brings me to the fifth one uh since we're talking about catastrophically bad movies and right. not fun um holy shit <laughs> and down the hatches folks this sounds like it's gonna Ooh. be a doozy can I take um, a guess? Yeah, yeah, you can take a guess on this one. Is this the invitation by any God Goddamn right, it's the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I saw the trailer for this movie, and I saw it. Um, I've been seeing the trailer for this movie for, I don't know, like three months or so. And I thought to myself, this could be fun. It looks kind of like a mix of, like, Ready or Not, mixed with a little bit of... Uh, like a little bit of a new, um, a newer age vampire movie mixed with ready or not, which I thought could be cool. Like, yeah. so for anybody that has not seen the trailer, or does not know what the invitation is about. Um, they leave nothing to the imagination at all. It literally is about a woman that goes to uh, send in, sends in her DNA. So here, I'll go down to the beginning of this. Um, I'm going to spoil the shit out of it because you should not see this movie. Um, <clears throat> it stars Natalie, uh, Natalie, uh, Natalie Emmanuel. And I feel very bad for her because she's great. Um, and this was like her starring vehicle and it's no fault of hers whatsoever. She does great. Um, she does great in her part and what she's given. She does really good, but her character is a moron. So it was written terribly. Um, also here's the way the movie starts. She is a server for a catering gig and she's bitching to her awesome black lady best friend, which these movies always have, which they should always have. You should always have an awesome, sassy black woman best friend that tells you all the things that you should hear and that you should fucking listen to. So things like this movie doesn't happen. Okay. (laughs) All right. You always should. You listen to her. You listen to her every time. If not, you fucking get movies like this. So they're... (laughs) They're on this catering gig and their waitresses and she's bitching about her dating life. She's saying that she can't find anybody to date and that she's like this touch starved person. She's fucking gorgeous. 
She is gorgeous, okay? And she has a great personality. There is nothing that you see or hear from her that says, yeah, she can't get a fucking date at all. There's nothing. Not That's the first thing that's completely not believable about this, okay? And then after the gig, uh, her friend gives her a swag bag from this party. And in the swag bag, it has a DNA test because it was apparently a really weird party. So you get this in the swag bag. She goes home. And she cries about a past trauma thing that they completely gloss over. Her mom's dead. Her mom had cancer and died. And they just fucking show a picture of her mom on the end table and have her get real weepy about it. And they give no backstory to it whatsoever. They're just like, bald mom, dead, you cry now. Like, that's all it is. (laughs) They spent zero time on it. So she's like, okay, I have no family left. I only have this one friend who's really awesome, but you know what? Fuck her. I need more friends. So she takes this DNA test and she sends it in thinking that nothing is going to happen from it. So she's hanging out with her friend and then she gets a ping back on her email that says that she has this DNA match. She looks at the DNA match and this is a English as fuck white dude. She is not white. (laughs) She is not white. She is not English. There's nothing about this that says this is definitely my cousin. Okay. (laughs) There's absolutely nothing about it. Now, to be fair, she is mixed race. So her mom was on the British side of it. was on the UK side of it. So they do link all that together. But here's where it gets weird. This is also probably why she's bad at dating. Okay. She goes to lunch with this guy whose name is Alexander. She goes there. They sit down. They have incredibly expensive looking soup. It's got like it's got shellfish in it and it's really weird. It doesn't even look all that great. <laughs> like it just, you know, it just, it looks like he spent way too much money on not enough food. Okay. So they get into a conversation that is very quick. I'm talking like three sentences. And at the end of the third sentence, she says, Oh, I've always wanted to go to the UK. And he's like, Oh, fuck me. You should go. Like, he's like you're just Come very on, quick. yeah, just very quick. Very quick, very stereotypical, and also very pushy, by the way, because she says no like three times, and he's like, ah, come on. You know, like just real pushy, but also not very uh, not very convincing. Just gets her right into it, and then she's like, ah, you know what? I really should do that, actually. I should, I should get out there and see this new family that I just didn't know existed for my entire life, okay? Sure, let's do that. So she gets on a plane, she goes to the UK, and she comes to this impossibly gigantic, incredibly, like, just mansion, just is monstrous, okay? She gets out of the place, and she immediately sees the very stereotypical old English butlers treating the help like shit. You know, like, one of them drops a glass because she bumped into him, and the butler comes over and is, like, one second away from just punching her in the face. You know, just, like, just real quick. Standard. Standard. Yeah. Country, just yeah. real quick. Like, you know, you've embarrassed us in front of the important people. Uh, so he's that kind of guy. Um, and it's uh, it's actually, what is his name? Sean Pertwee? Or Pertwee? Oh, yes. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, sure. Alfred Pennyworth himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> real proper twat in this movie is what he is. Um, so he's the one that kind of sees her first. Uh, she bumps into one of the help. They knock some glasses over. He comes over. He's real twatty to her, and she's like, "Hey, that wasn't their fault. It was my fault." And he's like, "I don't know who you are." And then the lord of this mansion comes over, and here's this dude that is just insanely hot. Okay, like for any, even if you're not into dudes. 
this dude is one of those ones where you're like, you know what? I would give it a shot. Maybe once. <laughs> like, it's one of those guys, you know? <laughs> just, just stupid attractive. Okay. So he comes over, he starts throwing on the charm. He starts doing all the things. Then when they walk into the mansion, the first thing that should have gone to, into her head is, holy fuck, Dracula lives here. Because that's what that mansion <laughs> looks like. Okay. <laughs> Everything from the drapes to the candelabras to these two dead-eyed ladies that are walking around that have, like, they look like they have vampire eyes. Like, there's nothing about this that is hidden that this is a fucking vampire stronghold you know whatever you want to call it this is fucking dracula's mansion that's what this is okay so she goes in there gets all sorted out and everything gets her room she goes in there she and this is the thing the fucking smart black lady best friend kept on telling her text me at the end of the night when you go to, before you go to bed and text me in the morning to let me know that you're alive take pictures of license plates and also you should fuck this really hot dude that's the lord of this mansion, okay? <laughs> that was the one thing that she told her that she shouldn't have listened to. So uh, the guy comes in, he throws on the charm again, gets her like, you know, walks her around the place and invites her and shows her to everybody and all this stuff. And there's always this weird talk about the new couple that are going to be getting married that they're there for for this wedding and stuff like that. But you never meet the way in the you never meet them. You never meet the wife. You never meet the husband. They just keep on talking about it. They did not hide whatsoever that it was them, that it was the Lord and that it was the girl that did showed up there. They just fucking didn't hide it. They didn't try to hide it. <laughs> they just they took like some bad screenwriting class and they were just like, all right, let's go ahead and just throw some tropes in here and get this shit over with. So he goes over there. He, uh, you know, he gives her all the, gives her all the charm and she invites him in, which is, that's a no, no. You don't do that to vampires. Cause once you do that, then they're in. Okay. And then they have weird vampire sex. And then after that post coitally, he's like, he's like, ah, ha ha, you should just get married to me. And she's like, Oh my God. Ah, ha ha. Yes. Okay. So then <laughs> turns around like, that's the whole fucking interaction. That was the proposal and the acceptance. Then as he's walking away, she's like, you know, I was kidding, right? And he's like, ha ha, sure. That's it. Like there was fucking nothing. There was no courtship. They had weird sex once and they were like, you should get married and live here. And she's just like, I should totally do that. So she had that vampire dick game. That's what it dude, is. Dude, like, I don't know what this dude was packing, but fucking obviously a hammer. So <laughs> definitely wasn't a steak. It was not. It was not a steak. <laughs> right, so, a huge piece of meat. It was. It was. <laughs> and this dude was hanging schmeat. Um, so they get down after that. After this all happens, he goes, "Hey, you got to put your dress on. We got to go to dinner." They go down to dinner, and it's this like big. Uh, it's this big party where there's a bunch of old people sitting around a giant banquet table, and all of them have those weird eyes wide shut masks on. Which I don't know. Maybe a red fucking flag. <laughs> perhaps like that that you walk in and all of them turn around and immediately look at you when you walk into the room which by the way whole table full of white people she's the one black chick and everybody's just like oh shit look so she walks in there <laughs> she sits next to the dude and the dude stands up and tells this entire table that she is now going to be his wife and this brings together the three families the three ancient bloodlines 
of blah, 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 because apparently her great, great grandmother was the one that used to be married to him before. And he ate her, not like he had done to her earlier on, but like how a starving (laughs) vampire would eat a person. So which I don't know why he did that, but he did that. So he needed a new Dracula's wife. So that's what she was. And then she just tells everybody, no, I wouldn't like to do that. They're like, ha ha, too bad. We're going to cut this maid's throat and you're going to watch everybody drink blood. Here's the thing. The movie was PG-13. So this was the wateriest, shittiest looking blood I have ever seen in my entire life. This right here, by the way, see this? You see what I'm drinking? This looks more like blood than the blood in that movie. Okay. And this is fucking Hawaiian punch. All right. At least it wasn't a CGI blood effect. I would have taken that. Actually, I would have taken that. This looked like cranberry juice. It was it was awful. And it was like it was hilariously awful, too, because the dude like uh, it was Sean Pertwee. He uh, grabbed one of the maids, cut her throat, and then he just bled her throat out into a giant goblet. Blood doesn't come out like that. Anybody that has ever cut their finger at all ever knows that blood doesn't come out like that. Have you ever accidentally got a toenail that came a little too far off? Blood doesn't come out like that. Got a bloody nose? Blood doesn't come out like that. Okay? It just doesn't. So they took, like... I understand that if it's PG-13, you have to take some liberties. I get that. But if you're going to fill an entire goblet full of blood and show all the blood, at least try why make, make it look like blood. Why make this PG-13 in the first place? There's no reason. There's no reason whatsoever. They wanted to make it like a Twilight movie, which is very much what it looks like. It very much looks like a Twilight movie, but it's shittier. And how is that that possible? possible? (laughs) Watch the movie. Watch the movie. You'll know why. At least Twilight knew what the fuck it was. Twilight knew that it was a sparkly vampire rom-com or rom-drom, I guess. It was not even a horror movie. It It was a romantic drama. It knew that. The Invitation tries to be a horror movie for like 10 minutes. The rest of the time is just this woman making hilariously bad decisions the entire time. Like there's a point in the movie where she wakes up in the middle of the night and Sean Perchway is standing in front of all of the maids. And then he looks at one of them. And he goes, it's your turn. And then tells her, go into the, tells her to go into the mysteriously locked library. That's the only inaccessible room in the entire place. And guess who's not there in the morning? That maid. All right. So like maybe perhaps open up your eyes just a little bit and think to yourself there's some weird shit going on and nobody wants me to know what it is perhaps i should get on a plane and go the fuck home and get away from my weird british family that i didn't know existed all right (laughs) this is just bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and the most inexcusable part of this whole thing is that because they made it pg-13 they made these people talk like people don't talk. Okay. Uh, You know what I mean? Like they made them say things in sentences that people don't say to other people. Like there's a part um, near the end. There's a part at the end. So by the way, the way this movie ends is that she lets the, her new Dracula's husband bite her so that she gets Vampirella powers just long enough to overpower him and put a stake through his chest so that it kills him and takes her vampire powers away uh, so that she's still alive as a regular human. Uh, but she, uh, but she, um, yeah, so she's just, she's only a vampire for like fucking 30 seconds. 
or so, just long enough to kill his other two wives and him. That's it. That's as long. Because as soon as he dies, her powers go away, her vampire powers go away, but it wasn't a mortal wound, so she's still, you know, alive and shit. Uh, and then she burns the entire place to the ground. Just that easy. Just here, bite me in the wrist. I'm going to stab you in the heart. I'm going to burn your whole fucking house down. That's what you get for inviting me over to your house and being weird the whole time. So at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, she stays in the UK. And she invites her awesome best friend to the UK so that they can make sure that they hunt down everybody that's a part of this family. And they see one of the guys from the family go into the building or go into the business that he owns, which is a real estate business, obviously a front uh, for, you know, um, drinking the blood of virgins. So uh, she goes there with her friend and she goes, do you know what we're supposed to do now? And then her best friend looks at her and goes, we're about to go F that guy up. And I wanted to throw my entire bag that I had through the fucking screen. Because I was like, dude, it's PG-13. You're allowed two fucks and a pair of tits. And you said F? Like, (laughs) you said it like that? Like, I know what the PG-13 guidelines are for a movie. Yeah. And that's what it is. You get two fucks, two fucks and a pair of tits. That's what it is. Yeah, well, the problem was they didn't give a fuck. (laughs) Can you give two fucks with one pair of tits? Dude, oh, there was a couple of times where they were going to be like, hey, we're going to show you a nipple. Uh, just kidding. No, you don't get to see that. You get to see a little side cheek from Dracula, though. Like, it's about all you got. Why do so many movies rely on the on the idiot character? You know, you look at the you look at stuff like the, like The Last Jedi. I'm not going to go oh, into too much detail. God, no, no. Come on. You know my touchstones. But pretty much every decision in that is made by an idiot. We watched them on Louise recently. Every single yes. decision there was just, just stupid. Taken, you Awful. know. Your dad yeah. is in the dumb, CIA. Dumb, dumb. Yeah, he tells you this is what you don't do. This is what you do do when you go to Europe. You follow these rules. You'll be fine. First thing out of the airport, oh, getting a cab with a stranger. Right. It's it's like what? Why? Why do they have to write movies where people? have to be idiots in order for the plot to happen i don't know i love taken because apparently his particular set of skills is making bad sequels because that movie just <laughs> keeps on like a whole fucking every movie that liam neeson does is like this is taken but it's in the snow yeah. like it's just all of them are now just this one's taken but it's on a train like it's just I've le- i have learned ever since taken that liam neeson just does not have any character that he does in any movie since is not the, an oh, ideal family an member. Yes. <laughs> he loses I'm someone in his family in every movie. Fence. The best thing that has ever come out of the take come out of the Taken movies was Liam Neeson's cameo in the movie Ted Two. Yes. That was yeah, such a good that. cameo. Yeah. That was such a good cameo, just because he was like, "I've been led to believe that these are only meant for kids, but if I take them home." Will somebody follow me? And he's just like, nope, don't think they will. It's just like, I will never forget what you've done for me today. And he's like, I really fucking wish you would. He's just like, yeah. It was such a good cameo. The thing is, I completely forgotten about it because I saw Ted 2 and was just like, eh. 
Right. And that's the thing about like, so the movies like Ted and Ted too. I mean, if you're going to a movie with a talking teddy bear made by Seth MacFarlane and you think that it's going to be anything but fucking stupid, then you shouldn't go see that movie. Like it just, it was, it was family guy with a talking teddy bear, which if that's I loved those movies, but I knew exactly what they were going to be. And so it was fine. But the cameos specifically were brilliant and Liam Neeson one was just like, he knows exactly what his lane is now. And he's just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to settle directly into that lane and we're going to have fun with it. Um, but like the going back to the idiot character thing, like there's so many movies, especially action movies, that that character, that the entire movie hinges on that character. Thank and it's like, it's, stop. You got to just not do that anymore. Like at least give someone smart, you know? Yeah, because you look at Die Hard, and that was that's the quintessential action movie. That doesn't rely on anyone being stupid. the The bad guy's plan maybe wasn't perfect, but it doesn't require on anybody actually being stupid for that plan to work. And uh, apart from if your name is John Moore and you take a good day to Die Hard directing duties, oh god, god, dude, they they could not have fucked the dog harder on that movie series, like. <laughs> Like, what did they do with the sequels? They just kept on adding words to the title. Like, yeah. it's like Die Hard. Okay, I get it. Die Harder. All right, I get that. Die Hard with a Vengeance. All right, you're getting a little too, a little, a little crazy there, but still a good movie. And then it's like a good day to die hard. And it's like, okay, like, stop. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, Live free or die hard. Yeah, what are you doing? Just like, just throw a number at the end of it and people are going to get it. They did that in the UK. (laughs) Over here, it was die hard 4.0, which made sense because it was all like techno thriller and cybercrime and everything else. That worked. You know, a good day to die hard only works if you know that that's the model. What what, what is it? Pennsylvania? Yeah. Uh, Something like that. Uh, Apparently, they're doing kind of the last one now, which is Die hard trying to remember your dialogue. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, um, oh um, Bruce. Now, or here, Bruce. I do, do want to bring something up that you were talking about earlier, Steve, because we were talking about the idiot characters. And I know mm. that you said The Last Jedi, um, but I do have to say this The Last Jedi is not the movie in the Star Wars universe that you should bring up for stupid characters. It's not. Which one are you thinking? solo because everything that that version of solo did was straight up dumb and that was also that was also one of those movies like first off i'm not like a huge star wars fan i like star wars but i'm not like uh i'm not you know a mega fan by any means but i enjoy the movies and i've always enjoyed the movies the last jedi was not a good movie um i will fully admit that but the thing with solo is that it wasn't even Han Solo. That was not his character. Like they just made some fucking weird movie and they were like, this is, this is what we think Han Solo is. It was not at all. Like as I'm watching, I'm like, that's not the fucking same dude that we watched in the other movies. That's a completely different personality. And he didn't grow into being what he was like. That's just, this is a completely different dude, whole different dude. And also, like I said, every decision he made was just dumb, 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 over and over again. It basically just was Star-Lord. He, he basically was Star-Lord. <laughs> he basically that's, was. That's what Disney want, though. They want to create... They want to take what they did with the... 
MCU template and just shove it into other stuff. And it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Work. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Um, I'm also one of those weird people when it comes to superhero movies. I like superhero movies for sure. And like when most people hate a superhero movie, I ended up liking it. Like The Eternals, everybody hates it. And as a standalone movie, it was totally fine. Like it was nobody, unless you're a comic book nerd, you have no fucking idea what The Eternals are. Yeah. None. Like you have to be a deep comic book nerd, especially a Marvel nerd to know what The Eternals are. And you have to be an even deeper nerd to give two shits about what the Eternals are. So it's just like when they put the movie on screen, it was kind of like everybody was shitting on it. But I was like, this was as a standalone movie. This wasn't bad. Like it was the set pieces were cool. The acting was good. The acting, the action that was in there was fine. Like it was it wasn't a horrible movie. Um, You know, like I know that Andrew just watched the new Thor movie and uh, he uh wasn't a fan. <laughs> uh, I guess we're kind of going to seek into this now for Thor, Love and Thunder, which is now available on Disney Plus, uh, along with Pinocchio. And you can kind of guess which one's the worst. <laughs> you know what? I, I actually need to see Pinocchio. Oh, it's... it's. I heard it's, it's awful. A, it's, it's a ride. Put it that way. And to be honest, I don't think these live action versions of their animated classics are winning any new fans. In fact, it's absolutely pointless. Been, yeah, a lot of the live action fun. Lion King was terrifying. There was nothing, <laughs> yeah, but, there, dude. There was nothing jovial about that movie. There at was all. nothing live action in the live action Lion King. It was all CGI. Yeah, yeah so it, it's a, absolute bullshit. That description right there. Right. But yeah, the, I think it was uh, it was Aladdin for me. I mean, oh yeah, seeing just Will Smith as the genie is one thing, but I guess nowadays he'd. So jump back for Aladdin too. Oh yeah, he <laughs> or anything. But um, you know, the only reason I watched Aladdin was to play the infamous drinking game that me and Steve have of whenever James Dunn shows up on screen, <laughs> take a drink. So you guys, so you guys were hammered, is what you're saying. You're hammered. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we we have our friend James Dunn, who uh, he's been doing a lot of movies, and he just shows up in backgrounds of mm-hmm. like all of these movies nowadays. So we have our own little drinking game. Love it. Hi, James, if you're watching. Uh, yeah. Thought, love that. Thought, Love and Thunder. Um, and I know that we kind of got into a conversation about this the other day, Jonas, and you were like, oh, you know, it's all fine from Coke's point of view. Well, and that's you know, why I brought it up on the podcast, because this is, this is a point of discussion about the movie. Yeah. I mean, looking at it like that, then maybe, but I don't believe that was intentional at all. I think that's an excuse to say why this movie feels like it's got four hours of dialogue that they have squeezed all together without taking any of it out into two hours because they talk so incredibly fast. They don't have any time. When you look at the previous Thor movies, including Ragnarok, right? Which Ragnarok is a fantastic movie. It's an amazing Mm. movie. It is. I love Ragnarok. Uh, and I love the first Thor. Dark World, maybe not so much. I think, you know, there's a, there's a gap there. But when you watch those original Thor movies, there was pause to take in what was being said or pause for the laughs. In this, it's like, if I went to the theaters to see this and there was a whole room full of kids in there, one, they'd miss half the jokes, right? Sure. Or if they did laugh at anything, they would miss the next three lines of dialogue. There is no 
pause to take this in. And as a, as a writer, I know that there's a very less is more approach when you're writing the scenes. Mm-hmm. And it felt when watching this, it's like, I think you told them to ad lib and you kept 50% of the ad libs. So he's okay. been taking lessons uh, from Paul Feig then, has he? Yeah, exactly. Chris, um, Christian Bale, the most underutilized Marvel villain I think I've ever seen in a Marvel movie. Oh, he was incredible. He was great, but he was in it so little that it was almost pointless. There was huge gaps in his storyline. And if you know that character, there was so much more that could have been incorporated into that. Absolutely. Um, I thought I was kind of disappointed in Russell Crowe. That felt like I'd just show up for a paycheck. It's exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, it literally was chicken that. you're serving. Yeah, it literally was that. And also he's a lead into the next one, which the next one he's going to be much more heavily focused on. Yeah. Um, because, okay, so here's why I, I want to bring up the thing about Korg. Because in the very beginning of the movie, it's Korg sitting around with the children telling them the story of the space Viking. And then the tone immediately shifts. Yeah. So it goes from being a movie at the beginning, like the way it opens up and everything. It goes from that to Korg having this, like, let me tell you about the spice Viking, you know, like, and he does that. And then as soon as he does that, it goes into comedy and it goes into like legit slapstick almost, but like it goes into very childlike comedy. So the tonal shift I think was very much on purpose. I think it was a tonal shift that was done on purpose. And I think the jokes that were made were very on brand for what Korg would be as a human. Hmm. And as far as like his age goes, because if you think about it, like Steve, you have not seen the movie, right? No, no, I haven't. I've, I I think I mentioned it last time we spoke. I've lost interest in the MCU. Um, Yeah. As many people have. I did see, um, um in the mouth of multiverse madness or whatever it was <laughs> yeah, yeah the uh the, in the mouth of madness was a better movie yeah much better much better. um <laughs> even there it was just kind of like this okay this kind of feels sam raimi but not it feels it felt as sam raimi yeah. as they would allow sam raimi to be in a yeah. Marvel movie yeah. but the reason i the reason i asked steve is because there's parts in this movie that are consistent throughout the tone of the movie that are basically internet jokes but they're put to screen so one of the things in the movie is that they have a big ship that they have to take around space around the galaxy to go find uh christian bale's character uh gore the uh, gore the god killer and they have to go find him in order for them to take the ship around the galaxy they need something to pull it the thing that they get to pull it is not oxen it's not horses it's not anything it's screaming goats like from the okay. internet. Yeah. Like, so it's so here's the thing when that happens, as soon as they bring the screaming goats onto screen and they actually scream, you're like, haha, that's funny. And then the second time they scream, you're like, okay, it's still kind of funny. And then the third time, Korg literally breaks the fourth wall and goes, oh, so they're going to be here the whole time, aren't they? And then they are. They're there for the whole movie. So every time they run into something, they go, ah, and they fall over. Like, it's just, it's an ongoing meme joke. 
basically. So the tone of the movie in the jokey parts is stuff like that. Like they get to the they get to the uh, land of the gods, whatever it's called, and they're going through the different gods and they're showing them quickly, like on purpose very much on purpose they're showing them quickly they're like oh there's the god of so-and-so there's the god of so-and-so each one of them is a joke to the point where they get they go oh look that's bow the king of dumplings like or the god of dumplings and it's literally a cgi dumpling bow that just goes bow like that's all it does okay so like it's the tone of the movie is that throughout the whole thing zeus is a dick like he's a dick he talks shit. He makes jokes, but he makes like sleazy jokes. Like he seems like a sleazy dad, you know? I'm, sorry, I'm looking at Russell Crowe as Zeus and the way he's talking. And for some reason, I can't see anyone but Ron Jeremy. For real. Like he does. He, yeah. Like he straight up does. He's like fat and greasy looking. And he's, his accent is not Greek. It sounds like Borat for fuck's sake. Like it's very weird. So. Like the tone of it again, I think, is this through Korg's eyes looking at Zeus being this, you know, like overbearing, like jokey dickhead. Um, and like there's a joke in the there's a joke in it where Thor goes to save one of his friends who got her arm chopped off in battle. And she's like, I'm going to die on the battlefield. And I'm going to go to Valhalla. And he's like, well, you've actually got to die on the battlefield to go to Valhalla. But perhaps your arm is in Valhalla. And then it just like it's stuff like that. Like where these little one liner jokes that happen that are just so prominent in the movie that either Taika Waititi did a bunch of drugs and made this movie or it's completely on purpose. There's no in between. Like if that was not on purpose, then Taika Waititi has fooled me into thinking that he's a good filmmaker because there's no way that that's not on purpose. It was too, it was too consistent. No, the thing is, I like Taika Waititi as a as a filmmaker. You know, Jojo Rabbit, Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok mm. is just probably one of the crown jewels in the entire Marvel canon. I agree. Uh, and and Jojo Rabbit's an incredible movie. Yeah, you know, and it works in so many others. He's great, but something very wrong happened with this movie, and it has a lot of. You know, it has a lot of defenders out there. But for me, who, who kind of steps back from looking and, and looks at film as like a whole, um, this felt like it was, I'm not going to get challenged on absolutely anything that happens here. This feels like, and this is not to denigrate Tiger at all, this feels like one of those moments where a director is so drunk on his own shit sure that the, jordan, the jordan peele effect that i was talking about earlier <laughs> it, in a sense yeah and when we when you mentioned about the cork thing my instant reaction was like okay so basically this is just telling us about a better movie based it's i don't think it's okay i don't think it's that's telling us about a better movie what i think it's doing is it's telling you the the story of an actually terrifying movie said hmm. through a child because Korg is essentially a, like, like a early teenager. He's essentially like a 13, 14, maybe 15 year old boy 
that's put into a golem's body. And I think what's happening, and I think the narrative, because again, from the beginning of the movie, it's him telling the story of the space Viking. It's not actually happening in real time. It's him telling these kids the story of what happened with the space Viking. So I think the whole movie is done through the scope of essentially a child, which is why all the jokes happen, which is why the tone is lighter, which is why the terrifying things that happen are not all that terrifying, but they are terrifying for a moment. So when you have Christian Bale's character coming onto screen and doing the things that are fucked up, like, you know, when he's in the cage with all the kids and he rips the head off of the, you know, the, whatever it was and like just tosses it at the kids or like he mocks their fear and stuff like that that stuff is done so short in such a small burst because again i think it's being told through the eyes of a child and i think the actual events that happened i think are much darker Hmm. so i think that's where i think the tonal difference is and that's why i think the movie is what it is because I don't think Taika Waititi went into this and thought to himself, I'm just going to make this insane, ridiculous, ludicrous, uh, we're going to call it bad joke filled movie and just throw that out there and be like, well, fuck you. That's my movie. I don't think that's the case. I think it was very purposefully done. Just be- if that scene in the beginning where Korg was talking to the children, if that didn't exist, everything that you just said, I would be fully on board with. But because of that one scene that literally sets up the rest of the movie, I think that's what it is. I think, think that's why the tone is what it is. Do you think that may have been an, uh, a reshoot afterwards? I don't think it was a reshoot. I think it was fully done on purpose based off the entire script of the movie. Now, do I think it was a good idea? Not necessarily. I think it was divisive for sure. And I don't think it was the greatest direction to go on it. But I think a lot of the shit that the movie is getting is... And again, you understand it, Andrew. Yeah. But I think a lot of the shit that's getting in this movie is from people that don't understand that narrative change. I think it's people that are watching it just going like, well, this movie is fucking dumb. Well, I think it's, the, it's too many jokes. I think the main problem is, is the recent crop of Marvel movies is they've kind of strayed from what their money was and they've really amended themselves to the actual filmmakers themselves chloe zhao um so eternals was very different from you know whatever marvel movies were sam raimi so sam raimi was able to bring his stuff in but the problem with multiverse of madness they oversold the shit out of it they did. And delivered something mm. that was nothing like what they had built up and the fans as well. The fans made that movie something completely other than it was by yeah. having all of these theories and convinced themselves that they were true. And by the time these it played out on screen, they were like, well, fuck it. It didn't have this and it didn't have that. Right. And it didn't have our introduction to this person and the X-Men and, and all of this stuff. It just had these very little eggs kind of laid. Right. And I think that's the the, the main thing that the mcu is currently doing at the moment it seems like every single property that's coming out seems to exist solely to set up something else down the line and 
you yeah. don't get the the standalone movies that they used to do, which had a beginning, a middle, and an end. It seems like no, what we're doing is we're just kind of treading water with this script until we can introduce this character and who's not going to become relevant several movies down the line. It's like you'd look at the phase one was I think that was about five films before the Avengers movie. Phase yeah. two was, I think that was maybe six. And then after that, it's like phase four now, if you count the TV series, it's into the double digits. Yeah. And when you, With- when you look at the actual TV series that have been doing on Disney Plus, I mean, some of them have been excellent and really played into it. And then there's other series that I've kind of fell out of instantly. And then mm. I don't care to catch up. Um, Miss Marvel, I gave up halfway through because it just was not engaging me as of a series would. Um, Moon Knight had the kind of same effect on me as well. Um, and now we've just had D23. Is it D23? It was over yeah. the course of this weekend. Mm. You know, and the, they've laid out the grand plan now. They, you kind of know where everything's going to fit in. I am looking forward to the third Ant-Man movie because... Ant-Man, you know, it's, it's Paul Rudd. You know, everything that guy touches is gold at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even uh, you I, like, the- I like that you conveniently left out Modoc as a, as one of the uh, one of the Marvel right. series. No, I will, I will give Modoc <laughs> its due. I watched I, that. Actually, I thought I it was hilarious. Like yeah, no, yeah. it was, it was yeah. funny. It was. I think Pat Oswald was just a perfect, uh, perfect person to voice it as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was, it was fun. We look at Marvel. I mean, the next stop now for the Marvel movies is uh, the Black Panther sequel, which is going to get its own criticism. As soon as that trailer dropped, it for the first trailer for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. there was so much, so many people already damning it. And I think yeah. this is the, there's a major problem in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the moment that is not being rectified because I think they're shooting in too many directions Mm. that it's going to be impossible to tie all of these things off by the time the next, what is it? The Kang dynasty or secret war or whatever it is they're they're going to do. Uh, They need to kill off characters along the way. There's too many threads to keep hold of. It's simple as that. Well, and also every time they, every time they do a movie, they try to like just plug in a villain. Like they're doing yeah. Namor for Wakanda Forever, which is fine, but also who the fuck cares? Like he's not, he's a C level villain at best, you know? And yeah. it's because he's both a villain and a good guy. So it's like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, we needed a villain. So I guess we better write this story. Like uh, at the moment, they're throwing every single character they've got at the wall and seeing who sticks. Right. Is it? When a crocodile version of Loki becomes like one of the most popular fucking characters, and you've right. got all of these proper like major acting talents, mm-hmm. you know, are playing these really just throwaway characters. I haven't been watching She-Hulk. I've been wanting to. I watched the first episode. I thought, okay, kind of like this, but I've kind of fell out of it again. I it's can't fun, get past the it's CG, fun, but it's very stupid. Yeah. I can't get past the CG at all. It, 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 it's so in the uncanny valley, it just becomes awkward. I, it's I pretty bad CGI. I can't buy it. Yeah, it's pretty all. bad CGI. Yeah, I mean, they've just 
they're starting to get into the Marvel horror now. So they're starting to introduce Werewolf by Night, which debuts in October mm-hmm. on Disney+. Plus. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk around uh, Ghost Rider. Obviously, they're bringing Blade in. But the major problem is these are going to be tailored towards kids. Well, that's the thing is I don't know if they're completely going to be or not because there are times when they've taken risks on R-rated films in the Marvel Universe in general, like as a whole. And out of the three times they've taken the chance, well, okay, let's say out of the four times that they've taken the chance on it, they've found success three out of those four times, okay? Mm. So Blade, successful. People loved Blade. And also Blade 2, straight up horror yeah. movie. Okay? Yeah. Blade 3, we're not going to talk about that one. But uh, <laughs> no. Deadpool 1 and 2, both phenomenal. And both made a shitload of money. Yeah. Logan, incredible movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Logan was not only just a good movie, that movie should have won fucking awards. Like, that was a phenomenal movie. And that's not even taking into account the noir version that is black and white, which makes it a whole even awesome, like, more layer of awesome, better movie. And then the fourth one is The New Mutants, which should have been R-rated fully, like, should have gone balls to the wall R-rated, and they didn't. And because they pulled back, it was a piece of shit. Yeah. Because they never dedicated it to horror or to a superhero movie. They made it some weird mix in between, and they were just like, all right, we fucking got to pump this movie out because we've been saying that it's coming out for the last eight years. So we got to put it out there. Yeah. And then you have... um, Sorry, Jonas. Yeah. Um, and then you have the ultimate one I will stick on for absolutely everybody. Punisher Warzone. Now, fuck you guys. You're getting it all in this movie. Dude, <laughs> oh, Punisher, Wars, Punisher Warzone is a piece of shit, and it's amazing. Like <laughs> it's, it's a pantomime. It's, it's a fucking joke, but in the best way. Like it's, it's an actual comic book put onto live action. Like the fact that he shoots a missile at somebody while they're in midair and it makes the noise as it's doing it. And then it hits them and it does a CGI explosion. Like that movie did not take itself seriously in any way. And it was that much better because of it. Because the Thomas Jane version, for what it was, it was fine, but it wasn't a great movie. It wasn't a terrible movie. It was okay. Warzone was dog shit, but God, was it fun. Like... The, the the one moment where he punches that guy in the face and his head just explodes. Just yeah, just explodes. I was like, yes, I, I can deal with this. The, right. This this is what I want. If you're gonna do it, like if you're gonna do it, lean into it. And that's why with like Deadpool, that's what the reason that Deadpool worked so well, and because Ryan Reynolds pushed so hard for that movie, is because they were like, if we're gonna do this R rated, we're gonna do it very R rated. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they didn't hold back in any way. And because of that, that's the same thing they did with Logan, just to a different direction. Logan was dark and bleak and sad. Like it was all the things that Logan's story was, but they just made it. They didn't hold back the R rated stuff. So like, yeah, he was swearing, he was drinking, he was fucking people up with the claws, which is what people have wanted for, you know, 15 years, you know, so yeah, Marvel knows what to do with an R-rated property. They do. They just Disney, especially Disney, is like they're real tight-assed about it. Like if they if they make Blade a PG-13 movie, it's doomed. Yeah. It's done. Like it'll be awful. 
There's no way to make that a good PG-13 movie. Do you think that there's room enough? And I saw an article about this recently and uh, bringing up Deadpool's just reminded me. Do you think there's room enough for different versions of a film to come out at the same time? So, for example, you had Deadpool 2. Then you had Once Upon a Deadpool. Uh, okay, that was Fox money grabbing to get whatever they could out the the franchise before the Disney deal took over. But you look at something like Deadpool 2 and you take out the the blood and everything, take it, tone down the language, maybe a few scenes of the violence, put in a subplot like they did there with Fred Savage, and it feels like a different movie. That one yeah. you could probably watch with your kids. And then, okay, yeah, then I'm going to go with my hard R uh, or 18 rated version of the, the movie. And I'm going to watch that upstairs. And that one's got all the blood. Do you think that there is a market to release multiple versions of a movie at the same time? Only if it's done in the way that they did Once Upon a Deadpool. Mm. Yeah. Because if they do two movies that are essentially the same movie, just with everything cut out and they don't treat it as like an almost tongue in cheek, wink, wink, nudge, nudge type of thing, then it's going to be stupid. There's no point in doing it. But if you do it like Once Upon a Deadpool, where they also use the marketing of it to kind of, you know, almost joke about the fact that they're showing you this movie with all the bad stuff taken out and you've actually got Deadpool telling you straight up, you can watch this with your kids, you know, like that type of thing. If you lean into it that way, sure, you can make a good movie at the same time. You can release two movies at the same time. Totally fine. But the problem with Marvel and with Disney, especially now, is that they have properties that are tailor-made for our ratings, and they won't pull the trigger on them. So, like, if Ghost Rider comes out and it's PG-13 again, again, it's doomed. You can't have a movie with a character like Ghost Rider and make it a PG-13 movie that fits the character. Because if you try to do that, you get the same thing that you got last time. It's too no. funny. It's too jokey. It's too tongue-in-cheek. You know, like, if they would have taken that movie... If they would have taken the two Ghost Rider movies, I'll even fucking throw Spirit of Vengeance in here. If they would have taken both of those and they would have made them R-rated movies and they would have leaned into the darkness of the Ghost Rider character, you've got two phenomenal movies on your hands. Uh Instead, they cut corners everywhere from the effects to the villains, to the language, to the way that the movie is filmed, just the way that it looks like everything. If they would have made that more like Punisher Warzone and had that kind of fun with it, those would have been awesome. You know what I mean? They just have to actually take the chance on them, which they just, they don't, they're Disney is very hesitant to do. Mm. Well, that's, that's a stronger point to end on (laughs) for our first video episode. We knew if if we left the Marvel till the end, it would have, that was it. It was splitting everybody. Listen, everybody ends, everything ends in Marvel. Everything does. (laughs) If we're talking movies, it always ends with Marvel. Well, just before we do go, we, we have a couple of shout outs here. First one to our good pal, John Ashton, currently returning as target in Beverly Hills Cup 4. He is out there in Los Angeles at the moment. I spoke to him the other day. Mm-hmm. So a picture of him and Judge Ryan hold together. And it was love that the, the smile on their faces just said it all. And we cannot wait. We're going to have him back here real, real soon. And hopefully, you know, he might be able to tell us some stuff about it, but you know, 
Don't bet I can't, on it. I can't wait to see him and Judge back. I think it's yeah, going to be great. Yeah. Yes, we are. I'm hoping that they just kind of retcon and Beverly Hills Cop 3 never happened. <laughs> you know, like it never should have happened. I yeah. pray to God there's just some throwaway joke in there that that shit just never happened. That movie, that movie really is the banana in the tailpipe of the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. No joke. Uh, also, um, good shout out to our friend Rick Ravanello as well. He's going to be on a video call soon. Uh, also, as well as Bill Daly will be back. We've all been waiting for it. We're looking for another movie from the Warner Brothers catalog that he absolutely hates <laughs> and he hates to revisit. <laughs> but We'll always love him. a good, always love a good hate movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, and I'm just going to squeeze one in myself. Um, I was at my cousin's wedding yesterday, so I, I just want to say, put down here, congratulations to uh, Dominic and Fallon. Hope you guys are really, really happy together. So, okay, Jonas, you've been a busy man. You've been getting around the place. I've seen. So, uh, what have you been got going to. on? Yeah, so uh, we got the Tromedy Hour podcast, which I just had you on, which is going to be releasing soon, probably right around the same time that this does. And uh, so that is basically, uh, that's a podcast that I do with a guest. Um, and we talk about all sorts of uh, fun, wonderful, joyous subjects like mental illness and uh, trauma and grief and all those dark things that we're always told not to talk about in public. So that's what that show's about. Um, and then also horror is my jam. Horror is my my main thing that I deal with um, as far as film and stuff goes. And you can find me at uh, another goddamn horror podcast. So that's my main show. Uh, best place to go for that is our link tree. It's just L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash A-G-H-P-666. So that's always going to send you to all of our stuff. We got YouTube. We got podcasts. We got writing. We got all sorts of stuff. Um, so if you're into horror, that's definitely where to find me and then find me on all the socials, uh, Jonas Barnes comedy at Instagram, uh, Jonas Barnes, uh, Jonas, uh, Barnes on Twitter and, uh, on Facebook. If you can find me on there, my profile is the one with Willem Dafoe's face and Guy Fieri's body. Oh <laughs> my good God. Yeah. Yeah. I was love to give somebody some nightmare fuel as soon as they find my profile. So <laughs> have you got any live gigs coming up, um, anytime uh, soon? I do. The 22nd um, of September uh, here in Bushwick, Brooklyn is my monthly show. Uh, we're, I'm going to be doing 25 minutes on that show, so I'm going to be doing a longer set. That is at the Tiny Cupboard in Bushwick, Brooklyn at 7 p.m. And then the night before, I'm also doing a 25-minute set in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey at a venue called Mulligan's. So it's going to be the same time, 7 o'clock. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Well, Jonas, uh, as we said, we love having you on here. Uh, love doing it. Thank you, guys. And annihilate a shitload of movies. And this one was just the invitation got the wrath. Everything else is okay, but just uh, the invitation. I, fuck that I, movie. <laughs> I think that movie probably made every other bad movie seem great. And that's oh. what the problem is. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's, there's some movies that have been released, and I've seen some. Um, questionable why I, I even chose to watch them. I'm not even a fan of Day Shift, which came out just recently. Oh yeah, that was a shitty movie, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I got all the way through it. I'm yeah. getting so grumpy in my old age now. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, we love having you on. 
Uh, we love getting that insight into movies that let us know if we should watch them or not. And uh, we've got to bring you on to our next watch along that we do. I'd love to. We, we will pick a genuinely terrible movie that is great because it is terrible. So far, we've had Street Fighter. We've oh, had, it's beautiful. We've had Deep Rising, which was... Yep. Fantastic. Deep, Deep Rising just seemed to manage to get in every single show in some kind of mention, in some kind of sub capacity. So then we did an episode on it. What was the one you wanted to do, Steve? Because you mentioned it recently. Oh, God, I can't remember. I wish I could. I'm, I'm not doing this for dramatic <laughs> effect. I honestly... Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, God. I don't... No. You guys, you guys have to do one on the room. Like that one, you have Oof. to do that. You That's... have to do that. I think that's just so popular because the one I'm thinking of mm. straight out of the belt is double Van Damage, double impact. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's another bad Van Damme movie. I actually watched it again. I went through a bit of a Van Damme phase over the last month. I don't know why. And I watched double impact for the first time since the 90s. It is shockingly bad. Oh, yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> but it's in a way that it's brilliant. I, mm -hmm. I, it came to something where my fiance turned to me and just said, hang on, if they're separated, if they were in China and they got separated as kids, why have they both got the same accent growing up? Right. <laughs> why did neither of them speak <laughs> Chinese? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You guys so, should do one on the first four movies of Steven Seagal's career. We could do every single movie of Steven Seagal's career. No, that's that's too far. You can't do that. That's just <laughs> That means you have to watch those movies, and I don't. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> But his first four movies, dude, Hard to Kill, Mark for Death, Out for Justice, and... Above the Law. That's the one. Yeah, they, They're um, all three-word ad-libs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and they're all, they're all the exact same movie. He just fights a different race of a gang in New York. That's all it is. He just... And whispers a lot. I like the later years where he wears this exact same leather jacket for every single director DVD movie that comes out. He also wears the exact same hairpiece and the exact same goatee hair dye. Yes, <laughs> but he doesn't let the same people into his trailer. No, no. <laughs> I want to say he, I, I would like to say that he wears the same fat suit, but it's not a suit. No. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that because I'm a fat fuck. So I'm I'm fully within my rights to say that. <laughs> Trust me, you're only seeing that like this much of me. The rest of it is like. <laughs> One of my like, friends says something very funny about their stomach. They say, don't worry, all my stuff looks like I spilled an apple pie in my lap. <laughs> and, it just, and it's because when they sit down, their stomach goes flat, but it's like that fat flat. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm just like, oh, that's accurate is what that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jonas, thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in a few weeks where we get to critique the next load of... Uh, movie releases yes, uh, hopefully so, we'll actually get to see some we got some doozies yeah. coming out so it'll be fun especially the bad ones oh yeah um so yes uh hopefully this will drop around the same time as the traumedy hour uh mm -hmm. absolute pleasure doing that show thank you very much for inviting me on i think it's probably the longest show you've ever had you're probably gonna have to edit that down by about a third i don't know it was about uh i feel like that was, that movie was probably at least one Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I feel like uh, that show is, yeah, that show is at least one Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure towards the end, we just started breaking down in conversations about everything else. We did. Yeah. So, 
but no it was it was a real pleasure to do thank you very much for that and um let us know as soon as it's ready to go and we can get that promoted for you as well okay sounds great and thank you guys very much for having me this is always a joy so i'm looking forward to coming back in a few weeks yeah well thank you very much for joining us um right well in the meantime it is a goodbye from me and i've already left so we will see you next time bye Thank you.